Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. At last, first service, I walked out and I went, good morning, good morning, good morning. And I realized I usually say it three times and my New Year's resolution is to only say good morning once like a normal person for the rest of this year. So anyway, glad to see everybody this morning. Uh, I'm kind of like Josh. Like Josh said, I, I think two weeks, that was a long time to not be in church, but uh, I think a lot of the things that we do, just so you kind of know, it wasn't just like, ah, I kind of want a vacation, but uh, that wasn't necessarily the reason we did it. We just really feel uh, that there's so many aspects to, to, to the kingdom and to the Christian life. It doesn't just all revolve around coming to church, and we hope you got to spend a lot of time with your family and, and hang out with some folks. Raise your hand if you hung out with somebody from the church over the Christmas break. Y'all need to make some friends. Take 30 seconds and introduce yourself to this person. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we, we had a lot of people doing some things together, So, uh, but we're glad that you're, that you're back. I, I do want to direct your attention to a scripture because uh, I know Josh, or actually it was in the uh, announcement video, uh, a life group, leader, life group leader sign up starts today. And uh, why is that such a big part of kind of who we are and what we do? In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, you, you, you see the story where Peter had just been well, actually, had just finished preaching uh, what was the first ever message uh, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had died, risen again. The Holy Spirit had come and, uh, and, and filled the upper room with all the disciples that were there. And uh, so Peter preaches a message, and a bunch of people got saved. And after that, it, it, there's a description in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, of what the kind of the core values or maybe core practices, if you will, of this new church were, and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship with one another, to eating meals together, and to prayer. And I think it's interesting that when it comes to the spiritual activity of the church, oh yeah, we need the, the teaching and we need prayer, but hanging out with each other, fellowship, and having meals together is just as spiritual to God. Some things are more spiritual than we know, and uh, I, I, I think that's one of the reasons, I know that's one of the reasons that we do life groups uh, together as a church. I know there's no scripture in the Bible that says uh, on your Christian journey at some point you need to lead a life group. It's not in there, but uh, we know we're supposed to be doing life together. And uh, if, you're, if you're already doing things like that, you don't have to have, there's not a curriculum we're going to hand you. Uh, we do study groups or interest groups. So if you want to study something, if you got a book, I think you can get with Pastor Josh. I don't know how he goes through which curriculums that we are doing, but if you have an idea for a study, uh, get with Josh. But also, if you just want to hang out with some folks and get to know some folks, uh, you can lead a life group. So I really do encourage you uh, to consider leading uh, a life group. I, I told the first services, it's interesting, I've been so, some of this stuff, I, I've, I've learned that like the Lord will take me on a bit of a journey uh, to learn something, and then after I've kind of got my head wrapped around it to a certain degree, He'll have me kind of lead the church in that direction. But uh, several months ago, I told Leanne, and this is going to sound really funny coming from your pastor, but I, I told Leanne, I was like, I, I, just, I just really love people all of a sudden. And it's like, before I didn't, but now I do. You know, It wasn't that, but it was just like, I just all of a sudden was feeling like, man, I just was having such good time and, and felt like even like a spiritual energy when I was hanging around certain people and getting to know certain people. And some of it, we weren't even talking about the Bible or anything like that. It was just getting to know each other. And, and you've heard me say, if you've been here very long, that inside each and every one of us is something perfectly God, but uniquely you. And I think I was just, the Lord was just reminding me of how much God is just in relationships with other people and how you get to see different facets of him. And, and that's kind of how I feel about life groups, 
Uh, again, it's, it's kind of our little system of saying, hey, let's get everybody together so you can encounter God uh, more often. I had a friend of mine call me. He's actually uh, ministered here, preached here several times uh, before he's from L.A., and he's actually planning his own church. And he asked if Leanne and I would sit on the, the board of overseers for their church there in, in, in L.A., and uh, he said, you know, it's interesting. Every time we come he said, to, to Midland and are with you guys and with your church and just in that environment, we leave and we really can't put our finger on it, but we just know we're better for some reason. And we want you to be a part of our, our leadership team and our church. And, and that's what he's talking about, just doing life with each other, doing uh, community and just the things God can do, even if it's not super intentional, like, okay, we're going to talk about this today. It's like, no, we're just going to hang out and kind of see what happens. So I really do encourage you to get involved with, with our life groups uh, if you haven't done that before, and that starts with becoming a life group leader if you want to do that. So um, we're going to go ahead and, and, and get into the message. Now, I told the first service to turn to 1 Kings 17 and that we might get there eventually. We did not. So uh, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 14. I do know we're going to get to that scripture. Uh, here in just a second. Do a bit of a survey uh, before we get started. Raise your hand if you grew up in a church that at the first of the year, the pastor would, would do a service, either sometimes a special service, to announce and, and the, the word of the year. The Lord had, he had been in prayer for probably six months before that. The Lord had spoken to him, and this was going to be the year of breakthrough or break out or break down and or something was going to break that year, uh, it seems like. So r- raise your hand if you grew up in a church where the pastor always had a word for the year. Anybody? Oh, we got, some, we got a few really spiritual people. All the Baptists are like, what is he talking about? Like, what in the world is he talking about? No, uh, I actually grew up in a church uh, like that where like it was kind of like a thing, like the pastor would always have a word and, and everything that year was going to have to do with that word and and I remember when I kind of first became, well, a campus pastor in Midland, but then later the senior pastor of a New Life Church, I got so insecure about that because I was like, I don't have a word for the year. I'm like, God's not going to break anything in our church this year. It's like, <laughs> you know, and I really did because I just, I don't consider myself to be a, a, a prophet, if you will. Uh, although I do believe that at times I, I do operate prophetically, I believe we all can we all have, I know we all have the ability to operate prophetically, uh, but I, I, I don't call myself a prophet. In fact, the Bible says that we're all prophetic, and if we're not already prophetic, we should desire it. That's the scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 I wanted to read, uh, just because I kind of want you to understand and just, just know a little bit about this, this church. You would be shocked to find out how much of what we do is born out of prophecy born out of God giving us a heads up, some insight uh, as, to, as to what's going on. In fact, it's interesting, uh, you know, I, I shared this story with you about the, the you know, this kind of this love for people and community, and I just read from Acts chapter 2. Uh, I was listening to uh, a prophet that I have an, an immense amount of respect for. I was listening to him last night uh, on a podcast. He's a, his name's Chris Vallotton out of Bethel Church in Redding, California, and he did a New Year's service, and his, he preached on the book of Acts and the book of Acts Church. And I was like, yes, I think I'm going in the right direction. If Chris says we're going that right direction, we must be going in the right direction. But uh, we, we, we lean into prophecy a lot. In fact, uh, Leanne's very prophetic, Josh is very prophetic, and so much of what we, in our director's meetings when we're talking about where we're going as a church, 
We lean into prophecy. We lean into dreams. Uh, my wife, Josh, both have journals of dreams they've had. We try to pay close attention to that. There are people in the church that on a regular basis come and say, I just want to tell you, I had an encounter with the Lord. I got a word from the Lord. I got a prophetic insight or a dream or whatever. And we just, we just kind of lean into those things. You know, the Bible says, believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. I had uh, encounters early on in my life of learning how to do that. When I first became the campus pastor of a church here in Midland years ago, I had a prophet in my life, and when they, when they sent me to, to pastor this church, uh, he had a dream about the church. And so uh, in this dream, he, uh, he said, I could see you walking around the room, uh, and there was all these chairs of the sanctuary, and every chair was a file. And I could see you grabbing the file and like opening it, a filing cabinet, but like opening it up and you could read everything that was in that file. And I was like, that sounds freaking awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. And, but so I didn't really know what to do with that. And so uh, weeks, months go by, uh, not, didn't really think much about it. And one Sunday, I just really had a strong sense that God wanted to do something special in the service. And so I was trying to learn to respond to prophecy and lean into to, to prophecy, believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. What is, what is the Lord trying to say? And so I remember having no clue what I was doing, but I had this desire. The pastor that was there before me, uh, he was very, uh, very good with words of knowledge, the spiritual gift of words of knowledge. And so regularly in one of the, in the services, he would call out something like, I, someone here's got a, I feel like someone here has a right earache. And sure enough, apparently everybody in the church had a right earache. And I'm like, how does he do that? You know? And, and I just, I, when I became the campus pastor, I remember thinking, well, Lord, don't give him the B team. He knows how to do that stuff. Why don't you tell me how to do that stuff? So I was literally trying to learn and had no idea what to do other than just give it a shot every now and then. And uh, this particular Sunday, I'm walking around the, the room and I could tell the Lord wanted to talk to me. And all of a sudden, he reminded me of that dream where I could walk around and pull up the filing cabinets and know everything that was in that file. And I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here. I got, I got, I got this. And I, but I literally was thinking like, okay, like I'll have to go like a metal detector, like walk around and like see where the file's going to open up. And this is, this is an honest to God truth. I, I just kind of would walk around. I'm like, here? <laughs> no, no. Here? And I just, it, but you know what? That's childlike faith. I didn't know what else to do other than, Lord, I got to try something. Well, all of a sudden, I got to one particular area, and it just so happened to be on the front row where a, some prayer partners, we had prayer partners at that time, and there were some prayer partners that I knew extremely well, and all of a sudden, I heard eating disorder. And I was like, she, she doesn't have an eating disorder. I know, I know her. I know she doesn't have an eating disorder. And I'm like, Dang it, I'm struck out on my very first one because I was like metal detecting the seed. I'm like, you know, and <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And, uh, but I just, I got a strong sense that that's what God was, was saying. And uh, long story short, I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw a few feelers out in our pre-service meeting because we had all of our prayer partners come in early. We did a little meeting and, uh, and, and some of our leaders are hearing this for the first time. Y'all just thought I was spiritual back then. I didn't know what I was doing and, uh, and still don't. Um, so we go into this meeting, and I'm, I'm, she's in there, and so I'm like, I'm like looking at her like, she looks skinnier than she did last time I saw her. I'm like discerning, you know? And uh, so I was like, I'm going to throw a feeler out and just to try to get some help, because I, I felt like the Lord was going to have me call it out in the service, but I, I wanted like a, a test run, you know? And so the, 
we get in there, and I was like, yeah, I just want you guys to know, I feel like the Lord has been talking to me, and there's going to be some, some people here, particularly one person who's got an eating disorder, and we're going to play, pray, and they're going to be delivered. And she never broke, like she didn't give, she was like, amen, amen, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And I'm like, dang it, you know, like I, I was like, I wanted like a look off, like a concerned look, like he, he's been watching or something. And I got nothing. And I was like, it!" So I, I literally go out of this, I walk out of the little room we had there where all the leaders would meet and the service is fixing to start in a few minutes. And all of a sudden sitting at and no, if you're a first-time guest, you're not on the front row. I already know that because you're hiding in the back somewhere because that's what first-time guests do. There was this first-time guest, ne- never been to this church before, sitting there on the front row, and she had taken the prayer partner's seat, and I mean looked like she hadn't eaten in a year, just skin and bones. And I was like, boom, <laughs> boom. Got some words for everybody today. (laughs) But of course, we go on. I ministered ministered to the lady, but I I, I say that because I just think it's very, very important. I tell that some of that story. I didn't tell that story the first service, but I felt like I needed to today. Just as a church, we have to lean into the things that God wants us to lean into. And and prophecy may be weird to some. It may be you've never heard about this before. But I'm just telling you, when God gives you a heads up. One, if, like for me in ministry, some insight for someone there who's dealing with a serious, serious situation and for God to call it out so specifically that that person would know that they know that they know that God was thinking about them and only them that day. That's a unique kind of ministry. That's a unique kind of ministry. That's a special touch. That, you know, when Josh, you know, we were talking about the presence of God, I just I thought it was so powerful what he's saying that God would say, I'll do this the rest of your life. He wants to encounter us like that for the rest of of our lives. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, follow the ways of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Well, why would he tell us to eagerly desire prophecy if we couldn't prophesy? He wouldn't. <laughs> They'd be a cruel father, and he's not. He's a good father. And so he's telling us, yearn for that, want that, desire that. In other words, he's telling us, as your dad, as your father, I'm wanting to give you insights into your life before you get there. One, so that when you arrive there, it will confirm. Like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm going, I'm going the right direction. And then other times in your life, we're like, I have no idea what to do. He wants to bring prophetic words in there that just, well, we use this term in, in, in the church where bear witness. You heard the term bear witness. It, in other words, it just feels right on the inside. Something about it just seems Right, that's how God wants to interact with us. And so, again, all that to say, I, I'm not typically, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a prophet, if you will, a five-fold office prophet, uh, but I do every now and then, um, I'll, be, I'll be prophetic and, and I'll, I will prophesy. And I remember several months ago now, we were in a director's meeting, uh, me, Leanne, and Josh, and we were just going over some stuff and I was just kind of talking about some things that were on my heart. And, and all of a sudden, I, I, I spoke a very prophetic phrase, and I, I knew it was prophetic because I had never had that thought before. It's almost as if the words bypassed my brain and just came out of my lips. And, uh, and, and when, I, when I said the phrase, I just froze like a little girl and started crying. I was like, that was prophetic. You know? And I even told, you know, they were probably looking at me like, what's wrong with him? Because I looked and I was like, that was prophetic. And they're like, what was? You know? and, and, I, and I said this phrase, and I'll, I'll, I want to share it with you today because I do believe, of course, over the, 
the next several months, we kind of, we kept that phrase. It meant something to them. It hit their spirit right. It, we, we all were in agreement that God was saying something. It was prophetic. We just didn't know exactly necessarily what he was saying uh, at the moment. Uh, but the phrase was, next is near. Next is near. And we began to lean into that, and, and we feel like we've got some understanding as to what that would, could mean for us as a church. But I also felt strongly that this was not just a word for the corporate body, the, the corporate church, if you will, of Renew Life Church and some things that are coming for us. But I genuinely do feel like because God has you in this church, even just today, even if it's just for today, that he wants to tell you what's next for you is near. What's next is near. And I, and I want to start by saying, first of all, you have to understand that we were all created to live with a perpetual next. There's always something God wants to do next in your life. In fact, it is, I, I believe that uh, the DNA of hope is that there's always something next. Sometimes, or at least one of the roots of and, and some of the DNA of depression is the enemy will come in with this lie and try to convince you that for you, there isn't anything next. That there isn't anything more. That there isn't anything better. That what you have right now is as good as, it, as, good as it's going to get. He'll try to convince you because of your age. Because of your age, there's really not a next season. You're on the downhill slider. But maybe because of some things that you've done, you've kind of peaked here. There's nothing next for you. You have to understand that next is a part of who God is. Uh, Lee and I joke because uh, every year at this time, we don't make New Year's resolutions, and we never really have that I, that I can remember. And the other day, she came to me, and she's like, why do we not make New Year's resolutions? And if you if you have to understand this about me, like, I, I pretty much have a new New Year's resolution about every 30 minutes. And so all throughout the year, I'm resolving something. So if you're on my staff, or you're ever around me, it's like, you'll know I kind of get a little passionate about certain things. I'm like, ooh, you know what we're fixing to do next? This is what we're doing. This is, this is the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. This is what we're doing from now on from, until Jesus comes back. This wasn't that <laughs> and if you'll stick around, he'll do something different in about 30 minutes. You know? uh, I'm just kind of wired that way. I, I, I love to see, I love to know what's next. What's the, what's the bigger, faster, stronger way to do this, more efficient? What, I, I love it when see, to see people grow. If, if you just work at a company, I want you to own the company. So here's what we're going to do to get you to own the company. It's just, it's kind of the way I'm wired. Uh, it can drive you nuts, but it, it, if, especially if you're married to it. Amen, honey, right? Um, and so it, it can be a little, a lot if you don't learn to rein it in, but it's also a part of who God is constantly pushing us closer to what he has for us. Sometimes our default mode is to settle and God's wanting to push. Say, no, 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 don't settle. I know it's good, but there's something next. There's something more. And so we have to first just embrace the idea. That's why I, uh, I'm not, a, first of all, let me say this. I am not against any denomination. I am actually for denominations. Uh, I, years ago, I was just kind of working through some things, and there's this phrase, non-denominational. And most people consider us a non-denominational church, and <clears throat> at times I even considered us a non-denominational church, but I started hating just the connotation of we're not what y'all are. And it almost started like separating us. And I, and I, and I started to get a sense of how, how much I didn't like that because we have membership classes uh, in fact, we'll just do it right here because you'll, you'll see how much fun this is. We do this every membership class. If you're in here and you were raised Baptist, raise your hand. Okay? If you were raised Catholic, raise your hand. If you were raised Pentecostal, raise your hand. 
If you don't know what Pentecostal is, raise your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Snakes, that kind of thing. That's usually what they got associated with. (laughs) Flags, greenery, all that good stuff. Uh, uh, Any church of Christ, raise your hand. Okay, I don't know if you noticed it. There are so many people represented here. Why would I ever want to call ourselves not one of those? Why don't we be all of those? Why as the church have we, and even that word, non-denominational, just started to drive me bonkers of, uh, of um, I don't want to build our ministry on what we're not. I don't want us to be defined by, by, uh, by what we're not. And uh, so anyway, I don't even really know where I was going with that. Now that <laughs> we were created for next, so well, let's just go back there. Uh, what was I saying? That was prophecy? Yeah, that was prophecy. Y'all, y'all will figure out what I was saying uh, when y'all grow up. Uh, anyway. Let's just expand on, 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 that, on that phrase because you have to understand God has, uh, God has something next for you. There, there is something next. You have, to, you have to lean into that and know that he's constantly wanting to, to, to move you towards what is next. I want to expand on that phrase, next is near. Uh, next is near means what God has for you next is closer than you think. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that one of the tactics of the enemy is he seeks to delay times and seasons. In other words, he tries to make it what's next for you far away when what God has next for you, he wants it to be close. He doesn't want us to live in these perpetual seasons where uh, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. He wants hope deferred or next deferred so that our heart becomes sick and we become uh, discouraged that God's actually going to do what he said he was going to do. The enemy wants to make next far away where God wants to say through this phrase, next is near, what God has next for you is closer than you think. It's closer than you think. I, uh, I remember there was a, this kind of happened to me where it looked as though there was a season in my life where it looked as though what God had for me and what God was doing um, in my life was getting, I was getting further away from what God had called me to do. I, I, um, I never wanted to be a pastor, strangely enough. And I always told the Lord, I was like, Lord, I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do. I just don't want to pastor and I don't want to go, I don't want to pastor in Midland. So uh, now I pastor in, in Midland. So, um, but uh, I, I was in Amarillo at the time. A church I worked with had a campus here. Long story short, um, I was coming as the interim pastor while they looked for who was going to be the real pastor. And, uh, and, I, and I was fine with that. I didn't want to come back. And, um, and all of a sudden, I just the Lord began to change my heart. And uh, Lee and I would come back and, and visit family in here. And it was all of a sudden, we started enjoying Midland. And I was like, hey, was, did you have a good time this trip? Because I, strangely enough, had a good time too. And so the Lord was doing some things in our heart. And uh, Lord, Lord, I, I could tell the Lord was fixing to move us somewhere. And, and I heard him, he gave me a phrase, lighten the load at the time. And uh, so he had me selling off all my hobbies. Uh, I, was, I gave away all my fishing stuff. I had thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars worth of fishing stuff. Gave it all away. Hunting equipment, gave it all away. I had a bass boat that I really liked, and the Lord told me to sell that too, and so I sold the bass boat, but honestly, there was a joy associated with it because I knew God was doing something, and, and I felt like he was calling me to Midland. I, for some reason, I, I felt that coming, and so I was driving down the road to take this guy my bass boat that I just sold him, and I was just having a conversation with the Lord, and I was like, Lord, 
I don't want this to be like just like the next step in ministry where it's like, okay, well, you've been a, you worked in the facilities of the church and then you were the youth pastor of the church and you're associate pastor. The only thing next is the pastor at campus of your own. I didn't want it to be that way. I said, I want, I want to have an encounter where the heart, I have a heart for the people of Midland. I want this to come from my heart. I want to have a heart for the people of Midland. And I'll just say, you got to be careful what you pray for, because all of a sudden, this overwhelming sense of compassion filled my truck at the time. I had to pull over on the side of the road. And I just remember weeping for, for a while uh, because God was doing something in my heart. And so, uh, like oftentimes when God's speaking so loudly to you, you just assume he's telling everybody else and everybody else is going to be excited about what you're excited about. And so I go back to my pastor and I was like, Pastor, I have heard God. I am supposed to be the pastor in Midland. And he's like, not a chance. You're not going anywhere. And I was like, I just said God said. Like, <laughs> you not hear what I just said? You know? And um, so I was kind of stuck. And all of a sudden I was like, well, looked like I was fixing to step right in because I was already the interim pastor. I was like, oh, this is... What's next for me is right here. It's right, it's right on the tip, you know, of, of, of happening, and then it didn't. And, and I just remember being so stuck there. I, I was like, okay, and it, it created a lot of turmoil in me and, and in Leanne because I knew the Lord had done a work in my heart for the people of Midland, and, but uh, he said, no, you're not going to be the pastor of the church. Uh, but I also knew I was called to serve him. The Lord hadn't told me to go anywhere else. It, I knew I was supposed to do that, and so I found myself in a situation where I was like, okay, Lord, how do I, how do, I do both? I don't, I don't know what to do. I know I've got to follow you. You're giving me a word here. I, I'll be in disobedience if I don't follow this word, and so I, I, I was trying to think of anything I could do to follow both words, continue to serve him, get to Midland, and crazy enough, uh, the worship leader position was open here as well, and uh, Leanne was the worship leader over all the campus at the time, and I just told her, I said, here's the only way I know we can do both. I'll just quit and apply for some jobs in the oil field. I had some connections here. I'd worked in the oil field before, had a great job before we left. And I said, you just apply for the campus worship leader position, and I'll just quit the ministry and go to work in the oil field because I have to get to Midland. That's where my heart's at is with these people. That's the only way I need to do both. And it looked as though this, what I thought was this call of ministry on my life was running from me. <laughs> It's like, okay, you're in ministry, now you're going to quit the ministry to go into the oil field and all these, it just looked as though things were fixing to my dream, if you will, my assignment was getting further away from me. And so long story short, had a, we were in a meeting and I, we weren't telling anybody, I had job interviews this weekend, this one particular weekend, and we weren't telling anybody about it. I wanted to see if I could get a job first, you know, just take care of our family. And we thought if we told them that we were going to move before, they'd just fire us. And there's all these crazy things. And we were in a meeting, and they were announcing to the staff, we're restructuring everything, and Braden's going to be over this, and he's going to be over this, and Braden's going to head up all this stuff. And I was sitting in that meeting just like, Braden's not doing that because Braden's moving to Midland. <laughs> you know? And I just remember starting feeling sick and like I was being dishonest. And, um, and we had agreed. She wasn't leaning one in the meeting, and we had agreed. We weren't telling anybody. And I just, all of a sudden in that meeting, I just was like, stop. Everybody stop. I need everybody out of the room except for the pastors. And everybody kind of looked at me, and get, everybody gets up out of the room. And so I told them, I was like, look, I don't know how to say this any other way than I, I know I heard God. I'm supposed to be in Midland. If you say I'm not the pastor, that's fine. I'll move there. I'll get a job, and I'll serve you as a volunteer if that's what I have to do. And Leanne will be the worship campus worship leader. But I'm trying to honor you and follow the voice of God in my life, and that's the only way I know to do it. And uh, he said, well, yeah, we need to, we need to have a conversation. And so the next morning, well, first of all, I got out of the meeting and I called Leanne. I was like, hey, 
Remember that thing we weren't going to tell anybody? Yeah, I told everybody. <laughs> uh, so she was like, what? We're going to get fired? And I was like, I, don't, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so anyway, the long and the short of it is the next morning they, they asked us to come in for an early meeting. And I was like, yep, we're out of here. <laughs> and, and the pastor tells me, he's like, look, uh, I, I took it before the Lord. And the Lord said that you're right. You're supposed to pastor this church. And here's your salary. Here's her salary. We're going to ship you guys down there. Uh, you'll be there in a couple of weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was getting fired, you know? And, and I just remember kind of the emotions of that whole, that whole uh, situation where it felt like the, the following God, that things were just, I was getting further away from what God had called me to do. And yet in a moment, God changed the situation. God moved on somebody's heart. God did what only God can do. And what was next for me was much closer than I thought it was. I can tell you stories like that all throughout the Bible. You watch the story of David, who David was anointed the next king of Israel by the, the prophet Samuel. And, and if you go back and study it out, it was 27 years from the time he was anointed king to the time he stepped in as king. It was five years from the time that David was anointed king till of the infamous battle with Goliath on the battlefield. And I just want you to put yourself in his shoes for a second. You have the prophet of the day come and say, you will be the next king. And then your dad says, now get back and watch the sheep. Not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, but for five years, you've got this call on your life, you've got the, an anointing on your life, you've got the prophet saying, this is gonna happen for you, and yet all of a sudden, it seems like nothing's happening. I wonder how many times that's been the story of our life. It's like, okay, Lord, I've been going to church, I've been trying to get better, I hadn't said the F word in three minutes. <laughs> or like Leanne likes to say, smoke that woo whatever it is that you smoked. <laughs> and all of a sudden you feel like you're, you're, you're doing everything you know to do, but it's like, it's been a year, not really anything's happened. Two years and things just aren't going the way you thought that they would go. And next, what's next for you just seems so far away. And all of a sudden, of course, David's dad says, go feed, take some food to your brothers. He's there. He's thinking he's just another menial task. And in one day, he goes to the battlefield. He kills Goliath. And it, the Bible says that Saul never let him leave his side again. So in one day, after all these years of a promise from God and nothing happening, and in one day, he went from tending the sheep to the right hand of the king for the rest of his life. That's called next is near. And I just believe that God is saying for, for us as a church and for you as an individual, first of all, what is next for you? First of all, believe that God has something next for you. That God has something good for you. And it's closer than you think. I'll even expand it one, one bit further. Not only is what God has for you closer than you think, it's also better than you think. What's next for you is better than you think. I remember several years ago, uh, Lena and I were getting ready to, to build a house. And I'd done our budget and thought this is kind of what we could afford and what we needed to do. And this is what a house that we wanted and could fit our need would cost. And we sat down with a friend of ours who's a, who's a lender. And she, she went through all of our stuff. And she's like, you do realize you, you can get a, a much nicer house than what you're saying you want. And of course, I, I got scared and Leanne got happy. You know, I'm like, how much more house are we talking about here? You know, and, and I, but I just remember that feeling of, you know, we knew God had, had told us to sell our home. He told me to sell it by myself. I didn't even list it with an agent. And God did a miracle there. And a guy walked up and literally wrote me a check for my house. Uh, and it was just all these miracle, miraculous things were happening. So we knew God was telling us to do that. We knew God had something better for us. What I didn't know is how much better it was. 
And, and you know, again, we're still in the house today. It's not like it's a mansion by any stretch of the imagination, but it was, it was, it was special to us. And I just remember having, some, having that person in our life that looked, of course, they looked over it and, and helped us see that God had something better for us than we had for ourselves. But I'm having to learn that that's pretty much the case in every area of my life. God has something next for me, and it's better than I think it is. I like to think I think pretty big. It's bigger than I think it is. One of the things, and, I, and I'll, I'll end with this, one of the things that we, we have to break off of our thinking, we have to break off of, our, uh, off of our soul, if you will, is what's called a poverty mentality. You may have heard me talk about it before, but I'll just say every single person in this room, there is a certain degree of a poverty mentality that we carry. There is this, there is this prayer that we're instructed to pray Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every religious organization is perfectly okay with us praying that prayer. Every sports team prays it at the end of their football games, and we're okay praying that prayer. And in that prayer, we're saying, Lord, we want earth to look like heaven. Okay? Now, what kind of house does the Bible tell us we're going to live, live in in heaven? Mansions. So we have this prayer that is... Uh, culturally acceptable that says we're all supposed to live in mansions until somebody gets a mansion. Then we got to talk about, I wonder how they got that money. wonder why they didn't give that to this mission organization so that some, some hungry kids could eat. We, we, hang on. Does he have enough for the kids to eat and you to have a house? Or does our God have a limited supply? Some people are going, I never really thought of that before. What I'm saying is there has, we have to break off this poverty mentality that God doesn't have more than enough for everyone. And just because he does something great for you doesn't mean he can't do something great for you and deal with the needs of the world. We have to get our mind. Now, I said this in the first service. God doesn't care about anything that you have until that thing starts to have you. And God doesn't care about anything you have unless you having that thing is where you're getting your validation that you are something, that you are successful, that maybe this business that you've started and this big house that you've bought and these nice cars that you've bought is all in an effort to prove to your dad who never gave you any words of affirmation when you were growing up and your dad's called you a loser and thought you were a loser and there's this inner thing in you that wants to prove to your dad that you're worth something. If that's your motivation, it's going to drive you into the ground because your identity has to be in him what your heavenly father says about you, who he made you through his son, Jesus. That's where you have to have your identity. And once your identity is firmly rooted and grounded in who you are in Christ and things don't have you, you just have things, God wants you to have more things to bless other people with them. It's amazing what happens when you start to get your identity where it's supposed to be, how much your mind, I've started having this happen even more and more in my own life. It's like, I just need more money because I've got more ideas. I've got more ways I want to bless people. I don't, I, I, I want to send this person on a vacation. I want to buy this person a new car. I actually, I, Lee and I have already talking, talked about this. We, we want to get our house paid off so that we can give it to somebody else. I'm not looking to just build a bigger barn and bigger house and drive a better car just for the heck of it. Now, I ain't scared of living in a bigger house or <laughs> driving a better car. But what I'm saying is he doesn't mind me having those things as long as those things don't have him or have me. And if you don't think he wants you to have those things, if you don't think what is next for you is better than you think, then you don't know how good God really is. 
I, I love the story. Uh, uh, you got the story of the prodigal son in Scripture, and, and so much focus is on this prodigal son who took half of his father's riches and went off and squandered it. And we tell the story of the prodigal son, but have you ever considered the response of the other son? And he's like, why are you killing the fatted calf for him? Why is he getting a fancy robe and some fancy shoes and a ring? Why, why is he getting all this stuff? And the father turns to the son, the, the good son that stayed in the father's house, maybe representing a Christian who for the most part stayed in church, didn't go off and live wild, did things the right way, but maybe had a poverty mentality the whole time. And he says, why didn't you do all these things for me? And the dad looked and goes, it's been here the whole time. You just didn't ask for it. I don't want to be that one. I don't want to be the prodigal son that goes and wastes it, but I dang sure don't want my heavenly father someday turning to me when I'm like, why is this happening for everybody else? He's like, because you never asked for it. That just means you don't know who your daddy is. You don't know what you have access to. Let's not sit in the father's house and have access to so much and live so low and with so little. What God has for you next is closer than you think. Next is near. Next is near for you as an individual, and I'm just telling you in the weeks to come, I can't, I'm excited to share with you about what's next for our church and how close we are uh, to some things as, as a church. But for you, next is close. What God has for you is so close, and it's so much better than you think it is. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.